0: Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in all over the world right here in Eastern Kentucky. I'm telling you what, God is up to something great, and I can't wait to continue to see what He's about to do. Hopefully, you've been enjoying this series, this Summer Stories. It's a way for us to get outside. We're at the lake, and we're talking about parables. I'm telling you what, the vibe is going on so good. It feels so good. We got started with Pastor Trevor, kicked us off in this series, and then Jordan last week. Come on, was that not amazing? Jordan gave up and spoke, and then next week, we have Pastor Pastor Jacob, he's going to finish this series, and then I can't wait, August 2nd, back in the house. Can't wait to see you there. Can't wait to worship with you. I'm telling you it's going to be such a great time to get back together and fellowship and worship with our family. But until then, we're in this series, Summer Stories, talking about parables. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 18. Now, Pastor Trevor kicked us off, talk about what parables are and how the kingdom of heaven is comparable, how Jesus had these talks and these teachings and these stories. That's what's called Summer Stories. And basically, he told this story. It wasn't like a, a new, new story. There were stories floating all over. I mean, Jesus didn't invent parables. Parables were floating way before Jesus ever came Rabbis would teach it. Teachers would talk about it. As a parent, you would tell your kids, even teach them lessons in story format because you learn. A lot when you talk about stories, especially in a story format. And so we're going to continue with this series talking about some of the stories that Jesus shared with us and maybe how it relates to our life. I like to look at it like this when Jesus told a parable, it's always to compare or contrast something like the kingdom of heaven is like, or there were two gods who, and he's comparing the two. It's kind of like a house, I bring you into a house. There's many windows in the house. And you may look out a different window and see the story a different way into your own, how how you're wired, how God wired you. But hopefully eventually that window that you look through, like maybe about the kingdom of heaven, or, or maybe this is, you know, how to be patient when God's work your life, as Jordan said, maybe that window becomes a mirror. And then that window reflects to your heart. How do you respond to the story that Jesus is sharing with you? Today, we're gonna jump right into this, Luke chapter 18. And Jesus is gonna compare and contrast these two completely different characters in the Bible. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Verse nine. Some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Because of that, Jesus told this story. So, this is a response. this story's a response to people's heart. Jesus could see our hearts it 's all about what starts on the inside that comes on the outside and because Jesus could see people 's heart, he said i'm, I'm going to share this story because there's a bunch of people who think they're better than everyone else, and you look down upon everyone else. well, if that's you." You better buckle up because Jesus has a word for your life. If you look on social media or you look what's going on in the news and all over our worlds and you begin to think that you're better than everyone else, Jesus says, I have a story for you. And that's where the story is birthed out of. And in verse 10, it says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. I'm telling you, there could be no different, I mean, completely worldly different between these two characters. You have a Pharisee who remembers the first five books of the Bible, knows the Old Testament backwards and forward, fasts and tithes and does everything he's supposed to do. And and they were looked at as very religious people. Now, not all Pharisees were bad. You know, Sometimes you read about Pharisees and only the bad ones kind of make their way in the Bible, but not all Pharisees were bad. In fact, most people looked up to a Pharisee because they were so righteous and they spent so much time with God. But you have a Pharisee, this is the guy who's like way, way, way over here. He thinks nothing but himself. He looks down on everybody else and he thinks he's better than all the other people around him. But then you have a tax collector. And oh my goodness, you're talking about difference. Tax collectors were like hated. They were looked at the worst of the worst sinners. I mean, they turned their back on the Jews because now they're collecting taxes, right, for Rome. And so they were kicked out of the temple. The families turned their back on them. A lot of times the friends wouldn't even hang out with them anymore because they were unclean. They were, they were sinners, really, really wicked sinners. See, if those two guys, right? Very righteous, very righteous. And then you have the wicked, wicked sinner. The Pharisees, verse 11 said this, the Pharisee stood by himself. Remember, they went to the temple to pray. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like all the other people. And this is what response to Jesus telling the story. People are, I'm glad I'm not like them, and I'm glad I'm not like him. I, I would never do that, and I'm not acting like that. And they start pointing their fingers thinking they're better than everyone else. And he's list them, robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Some of these are found in the Ten Commandments. He's saying, I'm not, I don't break the commandments. I live according to the law the commandments. Or even like this tax collector. Now imagine, imagine you're sitting in church, right? And we have a response, it's a time to pray, and you're sitting there going, Man, I don't know. I'm just, you're thinking about your life. And the dude beside you begins to pray. God, thank you. I'm not like this guy beside me. And he's talking about you. How would that make you feel? See, put yourself in the story. Jesus is comparing to the story these two different, completely different people. He says, verse 12, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. Now, that's very important. Pharisees did fast twice a week. In fact, they they fasted on Monday and Thursday. Why? Because those are the two days that Moses came off the mountain that met with God. So I'm going to remember those days. He came down on Monday and it's Thursday, but there's something else very important about those two days. These were the two days that people went to the marketplace. These were the two days that people went shopping to the grocery store. So the Pharisees would walk and they would moan and they would like turn their face into pale because they're like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. And people's in the marketplace like, why don't you just get something to eat? I'm fasting. I'm fasting. They would tell people they're fasting. Why? Because they thought, They were righteous, they were better than everybody else, and they wanted everyone to see how good they really were. And they would tithe, the Bible says. So they would tithe. I mean, these are people who did the right things, right? I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm tithing, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And there's something very important I want you to understand. It's not the position in church that means something. It's the position of your heart. That's what's more important about all of this is what is in your heart, because what's in your heart eventually is gonna come out, verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even go to the temple. Like he stood outside the church building. Can I put it that way? He stood outside of the building. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his chest. And here's what he said. God, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. He confessed his sins. He didn't feel worthy enough even to walk into the temple. He didn't feel worthy enough to look up to heaven to cry out and say, God, have mercy on me. He he lowered his head. And he said, God, have mercy on me because I know how messed up I am. I know how wicked my heart is. And then here, Jesus says this, verse 14. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other man, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. The tax collector went home justified. What does it mean to be justified? It means every evidence that could ever be brought against you because of your sin and your wickedness, gone think about that? How would you feel to be justified? Every sin you've ever did, every thought you ever thought, every bad word you've ever said, every action, every, even the motive of your heart, everything evil you've ever done in your entire life, gone. That's what being, that's what it means to be justified. You see, you would think the Pharisee was justified before God because he's righteous, not the tax collector who's rebelled against his own people. Jesus makes it completely completely comparison, crazy comparison. The worst God that you think's bad, the worst of the sinners, he went away justified, just as he never committed any sin whatsoever. Now that it's sinless, you never be sinless, we know that, but I could be justified. That when God sees me, I can be justified. And here's the point, verse 14. For all those, he's speaking to you, He's speaking to me, for all those who exalt themselves, you think you're better than everybody else, you get on Facebook, well, I'm glad I'm not like them, and I wouldn't do that. I would never go over there and do that. I wouldn't never say that. Look at the news. I wouldn't be like those people. When you think that you're better than anybody else and you exalt yourself, well, look how good I am. I go to church, I tithe, I serve, look how good I am. I'm glad I'm not like them. He said, for everyone who exalts themselves, you will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, like the tax collector, God have mercy on me. You will be exalted. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, and God says, I will exalt you. You know why we don't humble ourselves? You know why I don't humble myself at times? You know why you don't humble yourself at times? Because of pride. And we're all prideful, every one of us. You know, the devil became the devil because of pride in his heart. That's how powerful God hates pride. And when you think that you're better than everybody else, or you think you're smarter than God, when you think you're so arrogant, you're so prideful, God said, I'm gonna humble you. I'm going to humble you. And I don't know about you, but I don't want God humbling me. See, humility is a choice. Nowhere in the scripture are we called to humble our, to, for God to humble us. Nowhere in the scripture are we to pray, God, humble me. God, I'm. in fact, I encourage you not to pray that because God will humble you. All through the scripture, you're called to humble yourself. Humble yourself, humble yourself, which means this, humility is a choice. Humility is a choice. You can choose for, to humble yourself. And God says, if you stay arrogant and prideful, I'm gonna wage war against you. I'm gonna oppose you and I'm gonna bring you down. Anybody want that? Like, I don't want God on my, against me. But all those who are humble, if you humble yourself, God says, I'm for you, not against you. I'll give you favor. I will bless you. I will exalt you because you bring yourself low. You humble yourself. You see, humility is a choice. And it's not, when I think about humility, it's not about denying my strengths because we all have strengths. It's about being honest with my weaknesses. You know what? Yeah, I'm just not so good at that. Or yeah, you know what? I struggle with that. See, that's humility. If we would all practice, let me tell you what our country needs more than anything, humility. There's pride on both sides. Every which way you look at it, there's pride all over the place. We just need to humble ourselves. And and humility is a choice. And to watch until we choose as the people to humble ourselves, this is what we see. This is what we get. Pride is corrupting the world. And guess where it starts? With you. With me. Right here in my heart. So let's be a people, and this is what Jesus is trying to get to. Don't go around the world thinking you're better than everybody else. Don't go around thinking, well, I will never do that, and I can never do that. Whoa, 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 whoa. We are all one <laughs> dumb decision away of blowing it big time. When you humble yourself, God says, I'm gonna lift you up, and I will exalt you. So real quick, what are some things we can do? Right, practical. If you're gonna come in, we're talking about practical. What are some things that we can do? Here's the first one. One, pray more. If you do not have a prayer life, you're prideful. Write that down. If you don't have a prayer life, You are prideful because here's what you're saying God, I don't need you. See, prayer, honestly, at the end of the day, how I see prayer is not that I'm getting like God's a genie in a bottle and I'm getting all these requests from God and He's doing other stuff. Bless me, bless me, bless me. You know why I pray? Because God, I can't do it without you. Prayer is a form of a posture of humility. God, I can't can't leave my family without you. We can't leave this church without you. God, I can't lead in this crazy world without you. I can't even get up and preach without you. So, what I do, I pray. So it brings me into a position to say, God, I can't do this. We need to pray more, which shows dependence on him. Second thing, we need to confess our sins quicker. I think we—I I believe in like rapid repentance. You've heard me say, I've been saying this for almost two decades now, rapid repentance. When you sin, confess it. Because when you go with unconfessed sin in your life, it builds up, builds up, builds up. And next thing you know, you kind of, you do get arrogant, you get prideful. Like, well, I'm better than none. No. no, confess it. Because when you confess your sins, you're reminded that woe is me. See, everybody wants to jump on social media and go, What was you? What was you? What was you? What was you? No one's going, Man, what was me? What was me in my heart? I'm sinful. Forgive me. Everybody said, No, forgive everybody. No, forgive me. Because I have these thoughts I shouldn't have. I have this heart that's bent this way. God, forgive me. You see, that's humility. And God says, If you do that, I will exalt you and I will build you up. Here's another thing we do stop taking credit for everything. Avoid taking credit. If you think about that, we say this all the time. So you hear people say, hey, hey, I fixed that so you can thank me for it. What'd you just do? Think about this. We say that we do things like, hey, I, got, I done that for you so you can thank me when you're ready for it. What, what, I know we kind of joke say that. That's a form of pride because we want to take credit for it. When you go around the house, and I, I, I'm going step on some toes right here on this one, but do I have to do everything around here? No. Good point, but where's that spirit coming from? When you walk around going, do I have to do everything around here? Nothing gets done without me doing something around here. What does that say? You see that? We don't see these subtle little hints of pride that begins to build up in our life. Or, no, don't worry about it. Don't get it. I'll get it. Why? Because no one can do it better than me. I don't want no one else to do it. Well, I'll do it. Why? Because no one can do it like me. And we don't think these little form, little, little subtle hints of pride begins to build up in our life. So what do we do? just don't worry about taking credit for stuff. And let's just, here's another thing. Consider other people before yourself. We already talked about this. Put other people first before you. Put your spouse first, put people around you. Put them for, praise other people. Help other people succeed. Don't make everything all about you. And that's the way to look on social media. Everything's about you. It's all about you. And when everything's always about you, there's two things. Number one, you have pride. And number two, uh, you don't have any self-awareness. Pastor Trevor and I, we talked before, we think we might do a whole message on like, oh, you do a whole series on how to have self-awareness because most people don't have self-awareness. They're not aware of that. And when you're aware of God in your life and your position before him, then I'm aware of how I treat and the people around me. If I can't love people this way, it's because I got a love problem with God that way. If I love God, then I can love you. So if i on that, I'm gonna focus on him because it's gonna flow through my life to you. I'm gonna consider you before myself. And here's the last one really quick is to practice having good um, self-esteem. And you may say, where's that coming from? That's a really big, because most people, honestly, they have very low self-esteem. I'm going to talk about arrogant cockiness. I'm talking about very low self-esteem. And listen, you have to have a good self-perspective, introspective, good self-esteem. Watch this if you're going to be humble. You have to have a good self-awareness of yourself to understand what you're good, what you're not good at, and how people respond and how you should treat other people. When you have a good self-awareness and you have a healthy self-esteem, guess what happens? You can begin to humble yourself and put people first. You see, people with low self-esteem, let me just go on to stop for a moment because I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to myself. That was me. Codependent my whole entire life, struggled with anxiety, low self-esteem, people pleasing. I could go on and on and on and on and on until one day I realized That struggling with low self-esteem is a really dark side of pride. See, you think of pride as someone arrogant, boasting, look how good I am. I was like, look how bad I am. I'm no good. No one likes me. Won't even say an encouraging word to me. Won't somebody say something about me? Why? Because I made it all about me. People with low self-esteem, what they do is they think they see themselves performing at a higher level that they're not reaching, and because they can't reach it, they start thinking less of themselves, that I am no good, that I'm not worthy, And people, I'm gonna be honest with you, a lot of people struggle with low self-esteem and they wonder why they can't be humble. Start there. See yourself the way God sees you. Understand you're a child of God and how he's paid the ultimate price for you. You are worth it. You are worth it. So we don't have to have this low self-esteem. I love this quote. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And if we could get to a society and a group of people that we just begin to put other people first and quit thinking about ourselves all the time, and think about other people and how we can help them and bless them, I'm telling you what God says, when you humble yourself, I'll exalt you. Jesus was a master storyteller. And when he brought us into this house and looked through these windows, I hope just for a moment, maybe one of these windows, one of the stories become a mirror to your heart. And you may get to the point you realize in your life, whoa, yeah, I think of people that I'm better than them. Whoa, I am prideful that I need to repent. Whoa, I need to humble myself. And when you do, God will lift you up. I'm going to ask you just for a moment, just to bow your heads. Just for a moment. One of the greatest things you could do right now to humble yourself is to surrender your life to Jesus. And the reason why you don't surrender your life to Jesus, ma'am, the reason why you don't surrender your life to Jesus, sir, the reason why you don't surrender your life to Jesus, teenager, is because you don't think you need him. What do you think that's birth then? Pride. What will people think about me? What will my family think about me? What, what will my friends think about when I go back to work? And what will my spouse gonna think about me? When you begin to think like that, please hear me, that's rooted in pride. And God wants to come into our prideful hearts and plant grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and humility. So if you'll humble yourself and give your life to Jesus, you know what he'll do? He will exalt you. Husband and wife, if you'll humble yourself in your marriage, guess what? God will exalt your marriage. We could go on and on and on. There's a cause and effect here. It's all about you choosing to humble yourself. And so I just want to encourage you, humble yourself and give your life to Jesus. The Bible says if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. You need a savior. You think you could save yourself, you can't. That's why Jesus came. You need a savior. So humble yourself and receive him. In just a few moments, our host is gonna come out and you're gonna be able to text. You're gonna be able to text the word life to this phone number. And we wanna help you take that next step. If you wanna pray to receive Christ as your Lord, say we wanna help you, email me, pastor at betterlife.church. I wanna know your story so we can celebrate with you because we believe God has a purpose and plan for your life. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. we are get out here this morning and record out in your creation, just to reflect of the stories that your son Jesus told. Beautiful stories, ordinary, common stories to bring us in, to show us a reflection of how the kingdom of heaven can come to earth. How we don't live kingdom up, but we live kingdom down. That your will be done here. I'm so thankful for the stories that Jesus told. I pray that through this series, that the stories that have been just kinda regurgitated back and told back, that we will find ourselves. We will see your kingdom. We would see our hearts and we would see that we need to be more like you and depend on you in every area of our life. We're so thankful that you're with us. We're so thankful that you love us when we mess up. And God, as we hopefully like the tax collector, God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on me. Have mercy, Lord, on us as we lead. Have mercy on a world, Lord, that rebels against you. And God, may your grace and mercy and favor flow. We love you, Jesus. Your name we ask and we pray, amen.